This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to episode 10 of Four People with Bishop Wright. I'm your host, Matthew Bowers. And just a reminder before we get into it, this podcast is a conversation between the Four Faith Weekly Devotional that is sent out every Friday. If you haven't had the chance to read it, that devotional can be found in the episode description. And Bishop, your devotion, your Four Faith uh, this week talked about the Holy Spirit showing up in, in dramatic whirlwind, and it connected people very briefly. Um, and it reminded me a lot of what's going on right now in our world with with COVID-19 and this moment in time that we're in. And I think for me, I, I struggle with the relationship of the virus and the way it connects to God. And so I'm just wondering, what is that relationship between God and the Holy Spirit and those things that happen in our world? Yeah, well... Uh, I'd like to say that, um, you know, God didn't cause COVID-19, but God can use COVID-19. I think that's an important distinction. And so I am not among those people who sort of look at the virus and all the suffering and say, you know, God has done this. God is doing this. Uh, I, I don't I don't accept that thinking. I, I think that, that uh, that's a strain uh, that we're sort of putting on the Bible there. I do want to say, though, that in the way that... Um, this virus has helped us understand that the world is connected, as I've said other times, that Wuhan is connected to Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, is connected to uh, you know the Ozarks in Arkansas. I, I want to say that in the, in the story about Pentecost, when the Spirit comes blowing in, it does connect people. Uh, and so I think that what we're finding uh, as we're sheltering at home or as we're social distancing is, is that we are connected, in fact. The best part of us is connected, our compassion is connected. Our our hearts to people in need and loss are connected. Uh, and I think that people are, are, are asking more consequential questions now uh, of, other, uh, of one another. How are you? What do you need? How can I help? Um, and so, yeah, God and COVID-19 are not one and the same. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that this adversity has connected us or reminded us of our connection. And I think that there's a space there uh, to think about uh, how we can use this to the glory of God. What does that connection do for us or do for the community? Like, is it a matter of empathy where we realize that among political differences and social distance uh, differences that we are all one family? Um, or is there something deeper to recognizing that connection that Wuhan and Lawrenceville, Georgia, as you said, um, while physically are very distant places on a map, perhaps are not as different and distant as we may think. Well, yeah, let's look at the, let's look at the, you know, the book of Acts chapter two. I mean, what's fascinating about that story is when the spirit comes in, all of a sudden the ethnic differences and the racial differences uh, are supplanted by the fact that God is doing a new thing, right? And so we are faced with uh, an opportunity to do some new stuff. This this virus is forcing us, perhaps, uh, to think uh, better about what it means to be human and to put that at the top of our ways to connect. And so, you know, the ethnic differences don't seem to matter much in that story, other than they are a setup in that story to show us that God can penetrate all of our differences, regional, ethnic, racial, et cetera. And so I, I think that there's an interesting um 
corollary as well. And so, you know, maybe COVID is helping some of us realize that that uh, my skin color, my background, my geography is 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 secondary to me being a human being uh, made in the image of God, a father, a parent, um, a lover of nature, someone who's struggling, someone who's lost, someone who's worried about their income, someone who's worrying about their child going back to school. And so the spirit comes in and all of a sudden, everything that used to mean a whole lot doesn't mean the same amount. And so I think that there, there is something there. I think it really is also about, in that moment, devotion. I think that that spirit, uh, you know, knocks down the door and comes in with flaming tongues, and all of a sudden people are moved to new devotion. It says that the spirit gives them ability, and they and they wonder together about God's wonderful deeds. All of a sudden, the, the superficial stuff doesn't mean so much, and now we're down to what does this mean? How are we different? Uh, we'll never forget this. Uh, how can we be better? How can we be more faithful? And I think I think Pentecost. Uh, you know, uh, is really that in essence. It's God doing a new thing, trying to reconnect us around things that are important. I know there are, are different walks of faith or different branches of faith. People use the word denominations, whatever you want to use, but they we all interact with the Holy Spirit differently. Um, and some people uh, put more power to it and lay hands and cast demons and heal people and all that. Other people don't talk about it very often. Um, I wonder where, what role the Holy Spirit should have in someone walking the faith, you know, in a, in a Christian mindset, because as we look in the Bible and we look at acts, it's a very powerful thing to, to have and to, and to, to, ha- to talk about. And so I just, I wonder like where in my own faith and my own life should I be looking for the Holy Spirit and claim that is the Holy Spirit at work? Well, you know, we talk about uh, God as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. And so, you know, one way to think about the Holy Spirit is that sustaining ever-present person of God that's you know ever with us, sort of like gravity or oxygen, right? And, so, and certainly uh, some some uh, belief systems talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. In the Episcopal Church, we don't talk very much about the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit freaks a lot of people out, the thought of it, especially in the story of, of, uh, of Pentecost, because it seems like that uh, this, this influence, this, this spirit comes rushing in, and all of a sudden, all of our self-consciousness goes out of the window all of our, our sort of manicured ways of being and presenting ourselves goes out the window. Uh, we're out of control, both in the way that we behave, uh, how we speak, and who we connect with. And I think this freaks a lot of people out. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, it takes me at least to a prayer my good friend used to pray. And it used to be, oh, God, whom we love but are afraid to love too much. I think thinking about the Holy Spirit takes us right there. Is, is that, yeah, we love God and we want to worship God and honor God, but I think many of us are afraid to love God too much because uh, if we love God too much, that means that um, we, not, we may not be you know, in control. And, uh, and if we're not in control, then, then who are we? And I think that there's uh, something interesting to think about. Uh, a lot of people reduce God to a lucky rabbit's foot, uh, just something to keep in your back pocket just in case things go south. But uh, Pentecost reminds us that God is active, 
that God has a mind of God's own, that God has goals that God is trying to achieve, that God is uh, purposeful, and that God will not be domesticated. And so if we're going to really be devoted to God, we've got to take God at God's word about who God is. And God says that I'm in the driver's seat, you're not. Uh, I remember a, a wonderful old bumper sticker I used to see, which was, which said, uh, if, you're, uh, if God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong damn seat. And uh, I think that uh, what that means is, is that uh, if we're going to believe in God, trust God, live for God, follow Jesus, then at some point we're going to have to relinquish the wheel. And we're, have to, we're going to have to ask ourselves, what does that actually mean? And so the Holy Spirit coming in at Pentecost is that reminder to the infant church, the brand new church, the church startup, that she actually is not sort of the product of her own will or intellect, but she is the fruit of an active God doing new things. We'll be back with four people with Bishop Wright in a short moment. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. So Bishop, I want to touch on what you talked about, Jesus, because I think there's something deep in there that we don't often talk about, and that's Jesus as a master question maker. Um, and I, it's so interesting to look at the teaching style of Jesus because it is not the way we use the word teacher very often today, especially in like education, high school, college, middle school, all of that. Um, why do you think Jesus took this style of teaching, of asking questions, and not just a flurry of questions, like discerned questions that awoke something in people? Why do you think he chose that? Well, first, you know, we, we get to we get to this notion about questions and specifically Jesus's question uh, poser, because you know when Pentecost happened, um, you know uh, the people gathered there said, "What does this mean?" They they responded with a question, but others of the group rushed to an answer and they said, "Well, they're drunk, right?" And so I was just fascinated by this notion of what if they would have sat with the question, "What does it mean longer?" Uh, because that's, that's, I think, is where it really is. What does this mean? How am I different? How are things different? What do I have to give up? What do I have to take on? What does this mean about God? Who is God, right? And so uh, then I take that and I jump, over to the new, I jump over to the Gospels, and then I realize that Jesus's teaching style had everything to do with telling pithy stories and asking a lot of questions, right? Who is your neighbor? Uh, can you add, you know, any stature to your life by worrying? Uh, why are you anxious about clothes? Um, who is good? Why do you harbor evil thoughts? Uh, what do you want? I mean, Jesus uh, asks questions, I think, because he realizes that the power of questions to, to really help us to change or to lay claim to who we really want to be. And so there's one thing to have somebody sort of ram an answer down your throat. That's one thing. But if someone poses a question to you, then you have to do your own work, your own inner work with that. And I think that this is the way that Jesus respects our dignity. I mean, you know, uh, God is uh, a gentleman or a gentlewoman, however you want to say that. God is an inviting God. God is not a sort of ram down your throat God. And so I think that God respects choice. God has given us choice. And one of the ways that God respects choice is that Jesus shows up and poses questions. Choose this day, I read somewhere else in the Bible, uh, you know, who you will follow. Choose this day, life or death. 
And so uh, the question model, I think, honors who we are fundamentally, our dignity, and it also uh, gives us the, um, the sense of partnership that we have decided of our own volition uh, to walk alongside of God and to, and to offer changes or loss in our life to God uh, for God's refinement. So I think, I think questions are, I've, I've come in my own ministry to really realize that, that there's a lot more power in questions than there are in answers. And to ask a better question is to get a better answer and maybe even a new direction. So then how do we ask those better questions of ourselves? I mean, I look at the faith and Christian kind of spectrum now, and a lot of people want to throw the answer, God loves you, and that's all that matters. And I believe 100%, God loves you, us, everyone, and, and that is true. But for me, that brings up a lot more questions. Who is Absolutely. this God that loves me? Right. What does that mean for my life? How do I love that God, you know, in return? Yeah. And so how do we answer those questions, but also just not get caught up in that whirlwind of things that we just can't possibly come to an answer for? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, you can get paralyzed by by questions, but I, I think if, if a person is a, is, a, is a serious person, uh, I think what questions do is they take you on a quest. I mean, the first part of the word is is quest, right? And so if I want to know who God is, then one of the first things I ought to do then to answer that question, if, I, if it's a serious question for me, is to begin to pick up the Old and New Testament and begin to sort of trace the uh, the character sketch of who this God is uh, that's laid out in the Old and New Testament. Uh, you know, so there's there's an opportunity there, or to to go to the back of my Book of Common Prayer and to, and to see uh, who this uh, our denomination, the Episcopal Church, has said that God is. Who have we understood God to be? Uh, those sorts of directions. Uh, you know, a, a question that is a I, I would call a beautiful question is a question that leads you to a quest. Some people like to ask questions and do a lot of analysis uh, to avoid the quest, right? So they're sort of stuck in uh, you know. Uh, uh, paralysis and analysis, right? So, but I, I think this is a different question. Jesus asked these pithy questions so that you and I, of our own volition, would take up our quest. Uh, and so I, you know, I ask people, what's your burning question? There's a lot of questions on the surface level, but what's your burning question? You know, and 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 to begin to 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 sort of uh, take up work and effort in that. I, I love the Episcopal Church, and one of the reasons I love the Episcopal Church is because questions are welcome here. Uh, it, we're not understood as being unfaithful or disloyal if we have questions. Uh, but then the onus goes back to us. Uh, if we, in fact, have questions that are earnest questions, what are you doing to get them answered? Um, and I think that uh, that's an exciting thought for me, because if you're actually on a quest, uh, you may discover some revelation, some nugget, and that may change your direction. If you look back at the history of the church and all the people we called saints and the people who have contributed mightily to the good of the world, uh, they've had a question that they tried to get answered. And my question is, what questions should we be asking? Uh, and and I, I say that in the sense of both in the time of quarantine and COVID, but also with you know recent tragedies and things we're seeing over the past few weeks. Um, what are the questions we, as Americans, as as Christians, as people who follow God or just people of this world, what are those questions that you think we should be asking and searching for answers for? Well, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, it's a great uh, 
That is a great question because I, I don't know what questions individuals should be asking themselves. I don't know that. Uh, I, I think this is this is part of the dignity of of, of offering people a space to, to to discover their own questions. I think that that's powerful. Uh, and so I invite people to, you know, in this time where we have some time and our, our rhythm is, is disrupted, use some of that time to, to get to your question. I think one of the questions I'm asking myself is, as I look at the news, is that why do, why is it, why are, um, you know, why are, um, why is the inequity uh, that we have in America sort of accepted? Uh, why in a great country? Um, uh, is there not health health care for for everyone? Why do we leave some of our young people stranded uh, in educational ghettos without resources? Um, when I look to the news uh, and my children are around, uh, you know, I have to field their questions, which is why do the people who look like them why are they being brutalized by the police uh, or hunted down in in South Georgia neighborhoods? So I I think that we we go on. We go on our quest with our questions, and it begins to help us and move us, I think, to places of what is evil uh, in the world. And, and uh, as a believer, a follower of Jesus, what is my role uh, in, uh, in trying to combat that? Um, uh, it's not all uh, Washington's problem. It's not all the statehouse problem. I am a citizen uh, uh, both of the of the state and of the world, and a citizen with the saints, according to the Bible. So, what's my responsibility? In what way am I colluding with the status quo? These are important questions, but I think that these are questions that lead us on a journey to take up a lot more agency. Uh, and so, I think I think questions are dangerous, and I think that's why people don't ask them, because at some point, uh, to ask a question of of yourself, an authentic and uh, and question based on reality will take you perhaps, I think, to uh, a new set of actions. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, human beings being the kind of creatures who want to take the road of uh, least resistance, we don't want that. But I think that's the life that Jesus is inviting us on, to, to take the road less traveled uh, with the assurance uh, that the Holy Spirit is right beside us, enabling us and empowering us. Bishop, I'll only ask you one more question this week. Uh, is there something on your mind or something you've been reading or meditating on that you want to share with everyone? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, I didn't have very much sleep last night because I was, uh, I just couldn't get the image of, uh, of, uh, of George Floyd out of my, out of my mind, uh, who was uh, murdered by a police officer, Derek Chauvin, uh, uh, and Officer Chauvin had his knee on uh, on Mr. Floyd's neck for nine minutes, and uh, Mr. Floyd was crying out that he could not breathe. And so I'm so struck uh, by his cry uh, and the and the lesson for uh, Pentecost, which is about the Holy Spirit breathing. And so I'm I'm really sitting with that uh, and really uh, disturbed by it, and and thinking about you know what can I say or do. Uh, to invite people to express their outrage and maybe take up some agency uh, around affirming good policing, uh, but prosecuting policing that is criminal. 
With that in mind, that's all the time that we have for this episode, but we'll be back next week. If you enjoyed this discussion and this conversation, if you enjoyed this episode, connect with us by following Bishop Ride on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can keep up when we post new episodes and we'll be back with you next week.